This is a CNA podcast. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. Welcome into Health Matters right here on CNA 938. Good to have you on board in today's edition of Health Matters. You know, I've been hosting health topics on radio for over 15 years now, and there was this period of time where it was all about LASIK, 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 and everybody wanted to do it. Everybody thought it was the solution in terms of controlling their myopia. We do have some of the highest myopia rates in the world after all. There were different types of LASIK. We had to educate ourselves about it. But you know, today in 2022, i got to ask... Is it still happening? Are people still doing LASIK in the numbers that they've been doing in the past? And is this the best way to deal with our myopia epidemic? Dr. Cheryl Lee is an eye surgeon, an ophthalmologist based at the eye clinic. And I remember Dr. Lee was one many, many years ago, Dr. Lee, you were actually the first person to come on my show and talk to me about implantable contact lens or ICL. Remember that? That was ages ago, wasn't it? <laughs> In our much younger days. I remember one of the best things that you said was like, like uh, even if a grenade exploded, it wouldn't shift an ICL loose or something like that. Good like, memory. That's a, heck of a, that's a heck of an analogy. Thanks for coming back on the show, Dr. Lee. Are people still doing LASIK, you think? I would say that LASIK will always be popular, right? It's a, it's a very good method of getting rid of glasses or contact lenses. There are other options. And I think uh, everyone needs to know what their options are before agreeing to a procedure. So I would broadly divide them into laser or no laser yeah. for vision correction. So LASIK, PRK, SMILE, all that is laser. And then there is the implantable contact lens or implantable columnar lens. It's the same, it's the same thing, really. So one works by removing the cornea. So laser is really thinning the cornea, mm-hmm. while implantable contact lens is adding a contact lens, if you like. Mm. So one is removing something and the other one is adding something. So when we add something, what that means is one, it's reversible. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool, right? Uh, while removing something means that we remove natural tissue. And that's why many patients who have LASIK will have things like dry eyes afterwards because it also disturbs the nerves that make the tears. So we're removing bits of the cornea in LASIK. Well, with ICL, we're basically adding a contact lens. The difference with the normal contact lens that patients think of and the ICL is that ICL is within the eye. So that means there's no hassle of removing it every day. They can swim, they can dive, they Uh. can jump off aeroplanes without having to worry about it. And there's also no need to remove it. So that's not like, oh, I have to change it every month or something like that. No, it lives in your eye for as long as you want. And normally, the next time that someone would do something is when they have presbyopia. Correct. That's, yeah, that, and that's another time for another lens to come out yes. or go in, and then yes. the cataract situation happens as well. Correct. All Absolutely. the different stages. <laughs> yes. I'm going to wait until I require the cataract surgery and then just solve both at yes. the same time. Correct. Uh, but I'm curious, and, like at the, at, at the end of the day, what's the curiosity level that you're seeing about LASIK today? Is it still popular? People are still asking lots of questions. What's more popular right now in terms of LASIK procedures, in your opinion? I think that it depends on which part of the world you're in as well. 
Uh, in countries like China, for example, uh, where uh, people are very much into looking for innovation, they're looking for reversibility. So their questions are very poignant, which is when you have presbyopia, right, in let's say 20, 30 years from now, and if they needed or if they didn't want to wear glasses, because now with a handphone so rampant, right, and you don't want to keep putting on your reading glasses to see your phone, there are already uh, cataract lenses that allow us to see far and near, like you said just now, where you correct the boat. So this is very easily performed for patients who have had ICL because the eye is pretty much not changed. ICL preserves your natural eye, but LASIK, because it sinks the cornea, reduces the option that one has when one is older, when the Lao Hua happens. So I think with this, ICL is becoming more popular because innovations are happening with Lao Hua, with presbyopia. So people are saying, safeguard you know, my eye for whatever technology exists or will, will arise in 20 years' time. That's so it. ICL allows you to upgrade, in other words. That's why it's so cool. I'm curious, like in terms of the safety and efficacy, has mm. a lot changed over the years in terms of LASIK and its techniques and approaches? Not so much, because it's very much still thinning the cornea. Yeah. So it's just different ways to, to skin a cat, right? Yeah. So, but it's still, it still requires that cornea is removed in one way or another. So it hasn't changed that much. It's so interesting. ICL also hasn't changed that much because the technology doesn't evolve that much. It's either it's additive or it's destructive. It's the same. It hasn't really moved on. Got it. So at the end of the day, I remember when this became um, the big talking point in the health landscape in Singapore, and even until this day, a lot of people saw it as the solution to myopia. So that's how I started off this particular segment, Dr. Lee. And let me mm -hmm. ask you that. Mm -hmm. Do you think that LASIK is... Uh, it always has a place in the health sector, as you said, in Singapore. Is it the best way to deal with the myopia problem? I think, you know, we have to take it in, in the context. For example, a patient who has high myopia. High myopia, you know, for us in Singapore, it's so common. Anything above, you know, four, five hundred degrees is what we consider high. And most Singaporeans, our average myopia is 700 degrees. It's the highest in the world. So this means that when they do have LASIK, a lot of the cornea needs to be removed. The cornea is a bit like, uh, how to say, quelapis, you know? It's made of many layers. So if for every 100 degrees, one layer needs to be removed, then the cornea is left very thin after LASIK. In ICL, we do not depend on removing the cornea. So whatever the prescription is, we're able to correct it because the power correction is within the lens. So in this context, the Asian context, then of course, you know, LASIK has this big chance that the cornea is much weaker afterwards because a lot of the cornea is removed. So it's very different. And when a lot of the cornea is removed, a lot of the nerves that make tears is also removed. And that's why the problem with dry eyes after LASIK. So you mentioned one of the big concerns for a lot of people was the idea of the dry eyes happening after um, a LASIK surgery. And I know many people have remarked on it and, and talked about having experienced it as well. And then there are many other people who develop dry eyes in and of itself, staring at computer screens too long, uh, being in cold office environments like we are all the time. A lot of people feel the pain, the, the redness associated with that as well. Do, besides eye drops, like, is there a better way to deal with our dry eyes or not? Yes, absolutely. So I think the treatment of dry eyes has evolved a lot 
uh, in the last, I would say, three years. So our understanding has improved. In the old days, you know, we would go to Guardian and just buy like uh, lubricating eye drops. Yes. Now those contain basically water. Now the tear film is not made just of water. It's got water and it also has a waterproofing in front of it, which is oil. So we need a good layer of oil. The oil comes from behind the eyelashes. You know, we've got these little oil glands mm. behind the eyelashes. So we do want this oil to be like olive oil. Mm. But unfortunately, because of lifestyle reasons, it's dry eyes is so rampant. The children get it because they're, you know, on the iPad, they work on laptops in school. Adults, well, we're on the screens for work, air conditioning, flying, not getting proper sleep. All this, uh, also hormones, right, as well as menopause, post-LASIK, all this contributes to dry eyes. So as a result, when the eyes are dry, we need to make more tears, which means more water and more oil. Mm. Most of us make good water. The only ones who don't really make good water are the ones who've had LASIK. The rest of them all make water. But we need to make more oil. So this oil then changes really much like pimples, if you think about it, on the skin. I sound like a, a skin doctor. Okay? <laughs> yes, a dermatologist. Oh, no, no, yes. no. Same thing, right? Want, exactly. So it's become a skin problem because what we want is nice olive oil on the skin. We don't want white heads. But when we produce a lot of oil on the eyelids, it's the same. The oil changes in its consistency to be very much like butter. So sometimes if you look in the, in the mirror, you see these oil seeds, you know. Yes, Just and sometimes the, the little white bump on the edge of the eyelid, that's because of the oil seeds, is it? Correct. And because of that, the natural oil that your skin is producing cannot emerge on the tear film because it's blocking up really like pimples. So as a result, your nice tear film now lacks water and oil. Because oil you're not producing is all kind of bunged up, right, in the lids. Right. And then because the tear film doesn't have the good oil to waterproof it, the water keeps evaporating, mm. right? So when you buy, say, lubricating eye drops, sure, it lasts for a few minutes, but it doesn't cure the problem. The root issue. Yeah? And it's quite expensive to keep buying dry eye drops, you know, every month for years on end. So what we really need to do is to go back to principles and say, hey, we are going to make sure that you have a good, healthy oil layer in your tear film. So think of it as a, a, a person ridden with acne and pimples. If you go see someone like a beautician or a skin doctor, what they would do is to try to open up the pores and melt, you know, the oil. So in the beauticians, they use like facial, you know, they use steam, right? Right. So it's very much the same principle. We use light, we use heat. And the purpose is to melt off all these blocked oil glands so that your natural oil can flow onto the tear film. So these, we need machines. You know, we have LED machines. The girls understand this so well because it's really very much like Korean treatment, you know, LED light, mm -hmm. IPL. And that gives you good skin around the eyelids. And then you produce very, very good oil onto the tear film and the dry eyes can be cured. So how often would somebody need to go for this? And who should consider going for this kind of treatment? Is it only done in clinics, Dr. Lee? Yes, it's a, we were very proud because we started this dry eye spa, as I call it, about three years ago. So we're the one practice that has all these different modes of uh, therapy for dry eyes. Dry eyes isn't taken seriously enough. 
because it's not something that causes blindness. You know, mm. it's not like glaucoma, but it does affect your quality of life. So I would say that don't, you know, if, if you're finding that you have to take breaks when you're on a computer because your eyes are tired all the time, if your eyes look red, your contact lenses are no longer feeling comfortable. All these are quality of life measures. So it's like having dry skin. It's yeah. not going to kill you, but it's uncomfortable. It's itchy. It's not beautiful. So all this warrants uh, treatment. In fact, some people become quite miserable because their eyes are dry. Mm. That like, painful feeling of waking up in the morning and you're peeling your eyes open, it actually hurts uh, yes. in some cases as well. So how often would somebody have to go? Is it a one-time kind of situation or yes. is it like a skin maintenance kind of situation? Yes, so it's normally done every two weeks just for three sessions. And then afterwards, I would say it's a bit like losing weight. You know, you need mm. to maintain, right? Mm. If someone has very good screen habits, good sleep habits, then they might find that three times is well enough. Unfortunately, I find that most people do go back to long screen time <laughs> hours. We regress. And cannot really uh, prevent, you know, it's not something that they can say, oh, I'll stop using the screens. So what they would normally come to do is every three months, they don't even see me. They come in, get the treatment and they leave. I so, see. So that's just a simple maintenance. Then they don't need to be on eye drops. That's my plan. That They go back to normal life, you know, and yeah. they can wear the contact lenses. And again, it's getting to that root issue, which has to be with yes. that oil film and that oil filter, that all layer, actually. Is this suitable for somebody post-LASIK? Because post-LASIK patients have complained about dry eyes. Yes, because we do have to make sure, even more so in their case, because they don't make so much good water. So that oil film has to be very, very good. So that the little bit of water that they produce would not evaporate. At the end of the day, Dr. Lee, we wouldn't be talking about any of this if we didn't have so much myopia to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if, if we could, I mean, what, what's it going to take? I mean, just as we end off this segment of Health Matters, uh, what's your take? I've loved my chats with you in the past about myopia. What do we have to do to get myopia under control? I know many parents want to know. I think to start off with, it's, it's cultural. So it's rather difficult because, uh, you know, we place, a, we place a lot of emphasis on academia. But if I had to say, it's, I have an eight-year-old son who's listening in right now. He's very excited about Daniel Martin and his, uh, <laughs> and his radio. He listens uh, to your book. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say that um, it's not easy for a parent, but really lifestyle modification is extremely important. Um, so I, I get him a lot on, uh, you know, make, make sure that he's outside playing at least an hour a day in the sunshine. And um, even on the website, what I do, because I create my own website now, you know, Daniel, after COVID. Uh, mm. And I, we have free resources for them, like audiobooks, which is an excellent way uh, of, uh, it's, I would call it a good eye habit because they're not reading. So anything that basically they, they are looking at that is near, so iPad, reading, drawing, all that makes the eyesight worse. Yeah. And there's very good evidence. There's this great study in Australia. I remember Asian children, outdoor activity, open sunshine and greenery. Better eyesight overall than those that were not outdoors, right? I mean, there's this great evidence there. Yeah. So, I mean, if the the listeners have a chance, the website is theeyeclinic.com.sg. There are all the options available because it's not just, of course, lifestyle modification, but there's also eye drops, there are contact lenses, special myopia control glasses that can help and they can we can really stop the myopia from increasing if we can optimize all these 
medical as well as non-medical kind of therapies. Exactly right. We have to have another session and talk just all about that when it comes to myopic control. Dr. Lee, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming back on the show. Dr. Cheryl Lee there, eye surgeon and ophthalmologist from the Eye Clinic. And if you want to hear more Health Matters podcasts, make sure you log on to cna.asia slash listen. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.